Well, hello, Christ Chapel. No matter what venue you're in, thank you so much for choosing to worship with us uh, today and all of you joining us online uh, as well. We are going to talk about a subject that if it gets any attention in our world, it's oftentimes uh, filled with confusion, and that is the term angels. We're talking about angels today, and one of the reasons why uh, it gets a lot of confusion is because uh, the word or term angel gets connected with a lot of different things. I mean, you have uh, angel food cake, you have angel hair pasta, you have angel investors. Uh, some of you have called the person you're sitting next to an angel. They're not. Um, uh, maybe, 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 maybe. But uh, angel gets used a lot. I, I've actually seen angels uh, before, and I bet uh, you have two. Uh, in the city of Fort Worth, there are two very prominent angels uh, that you have probably seen outside of Bass Hall. Those are 50-foot-tall angels holding 16-foot-long uh, trumpets. Those are gold-leafed aluminum uh, trumpets. And each angel weighs 87 tons. Um, massive uh, angels there. But uh, So do we live in a city of angels? Or are angels just in the outfield? Um, I mean, we, we don't know uh, a lot about angels when we talk about angels in the many ways that are talked about in normal uh, conversations in our world today, which is why we need a biblical look at angels. Because a lot of people in our world believe in angels. Uh, a recent study said that 7 out of 10 Americans believe in angels. But a third of those seven people, don't, they're atheist or agnostic, which, which is kind of ironic. Do you catch the irony? Okay. And you go, why would a, a, an atheist, someone who d does not believe that, that God exists or an agnostic person, why, why would they believe in, in angels? And I think it's because it's the concept of angels that they want to believe in. That they've given angels their, their own concept. That, that angels are just kind and benevolent uh, beings that are just there to uh, always help me. And of course, who wouldn't want to believe in something like that? At least hope for something like that. But I think we can hope for something uh, so much greater uh, than that. But we need a, a biblical view of angelology. We need to understand a, a real, a tangible sense of what angels are, who they are, and what do they do. Because I believe angels are real. I don't believe aliens are real. And angels and aliens are not the same things. But I just want to be clear. Okay, so we need to understand uh, what they are, and that's what we're going to pick up on today as we piggyback off of Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 last week. So if you will, get a, a copy of your sermon notes because you'll need those. Uh, today we're going to do a more systematic study of angels. So this would be angelology, which took up a significant uh, portion of some of my systematic theology class. We're going to cram into 35 minutes today. Uh, that's why we're going to need your sermon notes because there are a lot of verses uh, on those sermon notes as we look through the whole of scripture to gain a, a broad understanding of angels. So as I said, we're picking up on Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 because last week Jonathan did a great job of introducing a, a very prominent angel that's throughout scripture. When he uh, started off in Genesis 3 1, he says, now the serpent 
was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. So we have perfect creation, and then all of a sudden, there's this crafty serpent that shows up on the scene. And Jonathan last week did a fantastic job uh, telling us about who that crafty serpent was. Uh, That was a fallen angel that we know as Satan or Lucifer or Beelzebub or all of those different names. Uh, But he is the fallen angel that showed himself as a serpent. Next week we're going to get into his interaction with Adam and Eve. But uh, last week, Jonathan told us how the serpent was a fallen angel who had led a rebellion against God. And today, Satan tries to lead a human rebellion against God. He is still active in the same way today in our world. But if we just left off from last week, I might give the impression, or we might get the impression, that there are only fallen angels. And that's not true. They're actually good angels. They're angels who are for us. And when Scripture talks about those different types of angels, the angels that are bad, uh, those are fallen angels or demons. When we talk about good angels, those are holy angels, or they have different terms or categories when they talk about cherubim or seraphim or all of those things. But there are good angels. See, uh, Revelation chapter 12 tells us that a third of the angels fell with Satan. So so a third of them are fallen angels. Two-thirds of them remained faithful to God. So there are more who are for us than who are against us. And that's a good thing. That's an encouraging thing. But how are they for us? That's what I want to look at today as we get like a 30,000-foot view of the angels who are for us. Who, Who are they? And what do they do? And what does that teach us or mean for us today? So... That's how we're going to study this, but before we uh, jump into the outline, I just want to give you a quick definition of what angel means. The term angel means messenger. Very simply, that's all that it means, messenger. Angel's primary role is to deliver messages. Now, when we think about delivering a message and we think about how angels deliver messages, you can think about it in one of two ways. You can think about it as uh, the postman or the postwoman delivering a message, you know, with a smile, a very kind, hey, here's a message, a letter for you. Or you can think of Guido, you know, from the mob who's delivering a message. And that's very scary and a different type of message. Uh, We see angels doing both throughout Scripture. Uh, We see angels at the very beginning, uh, singing at creation. We see angels on Mount Sinai with Moses when God delivers uh, his uh, commandments and law to Moses. We also see angels delivering the message to to Mary about about Jesus. We also see uh, angels attending to Jesus, and we see angels ushering in the end times. Angels are at every major epoch of, of history. Of biblical history. They're, they're important, delivering these messages. So we need to understand the message that they are delivering and what it means for us today. So now we're going to jump into the outline where I want you to see uh, first and foremost that angels are created beings organized and empowered to serve God. Angels are created beings organized 
and empowered to serve God. Now we're going to break this down. It, it, uh, this is very important to understand all of these aspects when you're understanding what angels are. So uh, I've got little sub points for you there. So first, angels were created with purpose and personhood. Angels are created beings. And they were created with purpose and personhood. Uh, if you look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, we'll show up on the screen. It says, For in him, that is Christ, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. They're for him. That, that's why they were created. They were created to be for him. So those two-thirds of the angels that remain faithful to him are for him. They deliver his messages, but ultimately they are created beings. This means that angels are not eternal, like only God is eternal. He was there before time. He exists outside of time. Angels are not eternal, but they are immortal. They don't, they don't die. They, they don't experience death like you and I experience. They also don't propagate or reproduce. They were created, and this is the state that they are in. They are created as uh, angels. But they were created with not only the purpose to serve God, but the, they were created with personhood. They have an aspect of personhood where they have a choice, because remember, they chose to rebel against God or not. Uh, so they have, they have choice, so they have some sort of intellect. Also, they have personhood in the way that sometimes when they show up in Scripture, they show up as uh, men, as, as human beings. And so they have some sort of personhood there. And even there are two angels that are given specifically human names, Gabriel and Michael. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a second. So they, they have this personhood. But... They are different than, uh, than human beings. Angels are not created in the image of God. Only human beings were created in the image of God with the, the aspect that we can represent God in a very specific way where we represent his image that angels cannot. Which tells me that when, when we die, uh, when a believer dies, we do not turn into angels. We, we don't get wings and a harp, and, and that, that's not what we, we do. We, we go to Jesus, but Jesus, in his glorified state, did not turn into an angel. He turned into a glorified Jesus, and in glorification, you will turn into the glorified creature that God created you to be, the, the being that God, but it's not an angel, Okay? So angels are com a completely different, separate category, part of God's creation created with personhood and purpose. Second, angels have a heavenly purview and a supernatural strength. A heavenly purview and a supernatural strength. They have a heavenly purview because, as I told you, they were there at the beginning of uh, creation. They have uh, seen God. They, they can interact with God um, in, in these very uh, personable uh, ways. But they're also, God has given them a supernatural 
a strength. One example, an angel was sent to roll back the stone from Jesus' tomb. That, that, that it would take many men to do, to do so. But an angel was sent to roll that back. Why? To fulfill God's purpose and deliver the message that Jesus is alive. He is risen. He is not here. Praise God. So that was supernatural strength. So God gives angels supernatural strength in order to interact in the natural world and defy natural means. But he also gives them supernatural strength because they fight in the supernatural world. See, angels are organized to serve God's purposes and thwart evil attacks. Angels are organized to serve God's purposes and thwart evil attacks. Uh, Angels are organized by God. And this is going to be important, so hang with me here. Angels are organized by God. Uh, we, kn- we know this in, in one instance. We know this from very, I'm just giving you an example. One example, uh, if you remember when Jesus was being arrested, uh, if you remember Peter pulls out his sword, cuts off the dude's ear. Do you remember this? Okay. And do you remember what Jesus says? Jesus is like, hey, Peter, put away the sword. Okay. There's a, there's a bigger purpose here for me. But remember what he says? He says, don't you know that God could have called down 12 legions of angels to stop this. Like, and so 12 legions. Now, when we talk about legions, there is an organization. It's like the troops. There's, there's somebody in charge. And we know Michael is given a battle name. The, the angel Michael, is, he is the archangel. Now, archangel implies some sort of organization or some sort of leadership responsibility amongst the angels. So there is this organization that is there in order to serve God. Now, this is getting into next week a little bit, and I don't mean to, but Satan oftentimes mimics what God does, but in bad ways. Because if you remember, when Jesus approaches the demoniac, what does he say his name is? Remember this? Legion. What does that mean? That Satan has organized his fallen angels to fight against God's angels. There is a, if you gain anything from these two weeks, guys, there is a supernatural battle that goes beyond the, our natural world. You need to understand that. But again, there, there's more who are for us than who are against us. And if God is for us, it doesn't matter who's against us. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Okay. Okay, so there is an organization that is going on. We see this supernatural battle in Daniel chapter 10. If you'll remember, I'm just giving you another example. Daniel chapter 10, Daniel is praying to God, and then this angel comes to Daniel to deliver a message that is an answer to Daniel's prayer. And he says, the angel says to Daniel, hey, Daniel, Thanks for praying, buddy. We heard your prayer 21 days ago, and I was sent to deliver this message to you. But there was a lot of fighting going on in the heavenly realms. And it was so bad that Michael, the archangel, had to come and intervene to fight so I could get through enemy lines to deliver this message to you. Do you remember this? Like, there is... There are crazy things going on. 
And God has these angels that are meant to thwart evil attacks that are against you and me as God's children, as his representatives on this earth. And so if I can, just pause, and I want to give you a quick uh, application just, just very quickly on this point. Ladies and gentlemen, if God has organized his angels to fight for you, and Satan has organized his angels to fight against you, why do we think we can go at the spiritual life alone? We all need the organization of the body of Christ. We are all better in serving God's purposes. We are all safer, in a sense, in the body of Christ. He has organized the body of Christ universally, and he's organized the local church in the community as an organization to support you, to help you, to encourage you, to protect you, because there are organized attacks going on against you. You will not thrive against organized attacks unless you're part of the organization that God has put in it for you to thrive called the church. We all need the church. So anytime you're tempted to go at it alone, beware. That is not the Lord speaking to you. That is the enemy speaking to you because the enemy always wants to isolate you. Because you're always most vulnerable in isolation. We need each other. We need the church. So don't ignore his God-ordained organization for you to thrive. And it's called the church. Okay? So angels, they were created beings organized and empowered to serve God. But how do they serve God? What kind of service do they give or render? So the second point here. Angels serve God by ministering to believers. Angels serve God by ministering to believers. Now, when we talk about angels ministering to believers, uh, the first question that usually comes up when we think about this is, do people have guardian angels? And that's that's a very common question. Um, In one sense, yes. In another sense, I want to be careful. Okay, so give me, give me just a second. Uh, many people get this term or, or, or thought of a guardian angel from Psalm 91, uh, where God commands his angels to guard, that, that's the term that is used there, to guard his, his children, okay? Um, so that's where they get that. And then they also get it from Matthew chapter 18, when Jesus is talking about children, and he says, their angels... Uh, basically see the face of God. And so it makes it sound like these particular children have angels and that's been extrapolated to everyone has an angel and the angel from Psalm 91 is meant to guard you. Is that true? Again, yes in one sense. But here's where I want to be cautious. What do we mean by guard? Because if by guard we mean that everyone is, uh, has a, a guardian angel who keeps me safe from any kind of tragedy, any kind of brokenness, any kind of illness, then I don't think that's what it means. Because why do bad things happen to good people? 
Because see, if we think about guard in that way, that nothing bad will ever happen to me, then we begin to think of guardian angels like we think of the seven dwarfs. Like mine is dopey, or mine is sleepy, or mine is, and we, and we start to ascribe the, these uh, not so good characteristics to, to God's servants. So I don't think we can go that far with the guardian angels, but I will say this, none of us know, you nor I, know all the things that God saves us from every day. We have, we have no clue, we have no idea, and I have no doubt that angels interact in our everyday lives in ways that we do not see, do not hear, do not comprehend, and would not understand. And we praise God for that, that he is supernaturally sovereign over all of those things. And so, yes, in one sense we have guardian angels, but let's be careful how we define that. Because when we think of the, the guardian angel, what I want to do is I want to tell you the explicit purpose that angels have, and that is to minister to you. And that explicit purpose is given in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. It says, are they, angels, not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? That would be the the children of God, those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Angels are sent out to minister to believers. Now, I want to give you some examples of how they minister to believers. And I put all of these on your sermon notes. These will not come up uh, on the screen. But I give you a list. And these are all biblical examples of how they've ministered to God's children. So first, angels can bring answers to prayer requests. I already gave you one of those uh, examples uh, from Daniel, but there's another one there in Acts. Second, angels can aid in winning people to Christ. Uh, they can. We know that from Acts chapter 8. Third, angels can encourage us in times of danger. This is where an angel showed up to the Apostle Paul in Acts 27 to encourage them to stand firm. Uh, Fourth, angels can bring aid to us in times of need. Uh, this is in 1 King, 1 Kings 19 after Elijah fights that battle, uh, spiritual battle with Jezebel, flees. Angels are sent to minister to him. Uh, and we also see that in Matthew chapter 4 after the temptation of Jesus, angels come and minister to Jesus uh, in that way in his time of need after his temptation and fasting of 40 days. And then finally, angels can care for us uh, at the time of death. This is where uh, the angels take Lazarus to, uh, it says, Abraham's bosom, or take him to uh, heaven in a sense. So they can usher uh, saints to heaven. Now here's one of the things that I was very careful of in this outline. Uh, if you will notice, in every one of these points, I said angels can, which means it's possible. Uh, they did. They did. All, I gave you all of those examples. But when we're talking about how angels minister to believers today, I said can. Because I don't want to presume upon that's exactly how they're going to interact with you or they're going to interact uh, with me today. Which leads to another question. Well, Cody, what if I've never recognized an angel interacting in my life? D does that make me uh, less spiritual? Uh, for me, Cody... 
No, that doesn't make you less spiritual. It makes you relatable because I've never seen an angel that, that I know of. I've never had anyone announce themselves as a, an angel to me uh, to deliver a, a prayer request, a message, or a pumpkin pie, or anything like that, okay? Um, I, I, so I would say, I don't know if you're in good company, but we're in company together, okay? So having an angel interact with you does not make you more spiritual. Uh, in fact, any, and there are times where Hebrews chapter 13 verse 2 tells us that you might be interacting with an angel and you're unaware of it. You, you, don't, you don't know. And so we don't understand, again, some of these interactions in our world. And honestly, I think it's uh, detrimental for us to focus on trying to interact with angels, which leads to our third point, and it's this. Angels are never meant to be a believer's focus. Angels are never meant to be a believer's focus. You guys are very kind and gracious to follow along with me here because you're like, Cody, you just spent 25 minutes telling us about angels, focusing us on angels, and now you're telling us don't focus on angels. That's exactly what I've done. So you are tracking. Um, but angels are never meant to be our focus. There is no, there, there are zero examples throughout Scripture where angels are prayed to by believers. You don't need to pray to an angel. It can be very tempting when you hear of all these things that angels can do to go, okay, maybe I should pray to angels. Maybe I should ask them to come and deliver an answer to prayer. No, 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 no. All prayers go to God through the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit. That All prayers go to God. Because guess what? Who commands the angels? God. God commands all the angels. And if you'll remember this, and I put this down at the, the bottom of your sermon notes so that you'll remember this. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, it doesn't matter who is against us. And he commands two-thirds of the angels to minister to us for your good. But he is the commander of all of those legions of angels. He is the one in charge of all those. And you don't have to go through. Remember, the whole point of Jesus is there is no intermediary. There's nobody in between you and God. You go straight to him. You don't have to pray to Michael. You don't have to pray to Gabriel. You don't have to do anything. You go straight to God. Praise God for that. So no one is more spiritual to have these angel interactions. In fact, as I said, it's detrimental to focus on angelology. And I think this is what Paul is telling the church in uh, Colossae in, chapter, in Colossians chapter 2. Look at it with me. He says, let no one disqualify you. Now that should perk your ears up right there. To be disqualified, that's a dangerous thing. Don't let anyone disqualify you insisting on aestheticism and worship of angels. Going on in detail about visions and puffed up. Puffed up is always uh, full of hot air, full of pride. Without reason, 
by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head. Now, who is the head? Jesus, from whom the whole body, as we just talked about, the body of Christ, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. That means grows up in the right way. Doesn't grow up in pride or puffed up with pride. He's comparing the, the puffed up, the putting the chest out with pride of this, oh, I had an angel visit me. And I know a lot about angels. I have great visions of that. And the growth that comes from God that is based on, on his faithfulness and our relationship uh, to him. So he's contrasting those. It's detrimental to focus on uh, angels. So what can we learn about these angels and what can we apply? Hopefully you've learned something, but I think there are some correlations that we can make that lead to applications. And that's what I want to do uh, with our remaining time together. So first... Angels are fellow servants of God, so serve God by worshiping him alone. You have something in common with angels. You're a servant of God. God has called you to serve him, just like he called angels to serve him. Different places, different spaces, but called to do the same thing. Uh, Look at Revelation chapter 22, verses 8 and 9. After John uh, records this great revelation that has been given to him, he says, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers and the prophets and with those who keep the words of this book. So What's this emphatic? Worship God. Don't worship angels. Like, I'm, I'm just a messenger. Don't shoot the messenger. Don't worship the messenger. Worship God. We're fellow servants. So we don't worship angels. We don't focus on the, the, the visions. or the Guys, I'm not saying that people haven't been. You, you may have had an angel encounter, and I'm not trying to discount that at all. But remember, what is an angel meant to do? It's meant to bring a message and minister to you so that you worship God. That's the ultimate. He is pointing you to God. He's pointing you to him. Worship him. So you have something in common with angels, your fellow servants. But there's something that you do not have in common, and that is your relationship with God. You see, angels envy our relationship with God. So cherish his grace and his mercy. Angels envy your relationship with God. And the reason why is because of the grace and mercy that you've experienced from God. Now, when we talk about grace and mercy, let me define those for you. Grace means unmerited favor, favor that you did not deserve. Mercy is withholding of due punishment. Withholding of due punishment. You, We have... Because of Jesus Christ received God's grace and mercy. We've received it. We've seen it. We've experienced that through Jesus Christ. But guess what angels have never experienced? Grace and mercy. Never. When, when When they made their choice 
When, when the angels rebelled against God and made their choice, guess what? They weren't given a second chance. They made their choice and they were cast down out of the presence of God. Always to be on Satan's team, never to give a second chance. And that's one of the reasons why angels envy our relationship with God is because there is an aspect of God that they are learning about as they watch us interact with God to experience something that they have never experienced. This is what Peter is talking about in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. He said, it was revealed to them, the pro- this, that's the prophet's is who it's talking about, that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that they have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news. The good news is that Jesus Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead so that we would not receive the punishment that was due to us and that we would receive unmerited favor from God. We would receive God's grace and mercy. That's the good news through Jesus Christ. That was revealed to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. They wish that they could experience that because they've never experienced grace and mercy. Angels have never experienced a second chance. So here's my application for you. Uh, Don't run past a second chance. Every day you get to experience God's grace and mercy. Cherish it, worship God, love him for it, thank him for it, and draw close to him for it. Because there's an aspect where you're the only aspect of his creation that can understand that and can experience that. So, So cherish it. And then finally, angels constantly praise God. So join in the unceasing and eternal praise of God. Throughout scripture, we see angels constantly uh, praising God. As I told you, we know that he was, they were praising him at uh, creation. Uh, they were even praising him at the announcement of the birth of Christ to the shepherds. And they are praising him at the end. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 8, it's talking about specific angels. But it says, in the four living creatures, each of them, with six wings and full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Never stops. These are beings that have seen God for who he is. And they say, The best use of our time is to never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Wait, maybe you didn't hear that. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. That is praiseworthy. So let me say it again. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah. On and on and on and on. Why? Because he's worthy of it. He's worthy of it. They have seen who he is. And they say, 
this is the only proper response. This is, this is the only way to spend our eternal, our, our everlasting existence is to just continue to say, you're awesome. You are amazing. You're incredible. You're holy. You are so unlike us. I just want to spend eternity looking at you and praising you and learning more about you because I just, I just blows my mind. And that's what we get a chance to do now. And so we're going to join in the angels as we all praise him together, singing of his unceasing praise that will go on forever and ever. So pray with me. God, we thank you for being holy, holy, holy. Being so unlike us. We're so thankful that you're the Lord God Almighty. I thank you that you are the God who was, but I also thank you, God, that you're the same God who is and is to come. And so, Lord God, may we join the angels, not only as fellow servants, but as fellow worshipers, to give you all the glory that is praise and do you, but do it in a way that is deeper and richer because we understand your grace and mercy that has been poured out to us through your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.